right, welcome back to the latest episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. Uh, I am your host, Harrison Fagan, and I'm joined today by Alex Regla. I'm filling in for Alex Padilla, who is uh, living it up at the Super Bowl, and I guess could not find time to talk to you this week. Uh, you know, I thought that was a little inconsiderate of him to prioritize his actual job over this, but um, I don't know how you feel. I'm going to give you the floor. No, I'm pretty upset with him. Like, he didn't invite me. Uh, first of all, messed up part of it. Like, I, I've known him for a good maybe two months now. Like, I think that's enough time to, like, you know what? If I'm going to Miami, if I'm going to the Super Bowl, I'm inviting my co-host. But I guess not. I guess you that's... Know, it's like I always say, co-hosts are closer than family. And, like, at that point, like, he, he needs to find a way to get you on that flight or he's just a bad co-host. And I think that's where we're at. I'm going to be looking for a replacement. So, uh. <laughs> well, maybe I guess this is my audition then. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, we are recording. This is not Taco Tuesday, which you are normally used to hearing on this feed. Um, Alex and I are recording today because, you know, not only do we record a daily podcast, but there are uh, definitely things to talk about right now. Um, I'm sure everyone at this point has heard and heard almost everything about the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna over the weekend, along with seven others in a helicopter crash. We don't need to continue to rehash everything about that. But as Alex and I were getting set to record, TNT came on and uh, they did their pregame show. And it was honestly... I don't think I'm overstating this when I say I think it was one of the most astonishing hours of studio television I've ever seen. They had exactly one ad break. And if anything, that was not for ads. That was just as much to, like, give them a couple minutes to collect themselves halfway through. And it was just Ernie, Kenny, Shaq, uh, Charles and Reggie Miller and Jerry West and, and Dwayne Wade just all collectively just grieving the loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all of these people. And I just, I don't think I've ever seen a studio show just directly just go to that, like with no segments, no nothing, just like letting people talk. And it it was honestly like an hour long podcast on TV. I loved it. I I agree. I just thought it was exactly what we needed at this point. Like I'm, I'm happy. Like you said, they were just allowed to talk. There were no segments. They just got to, to speak their minds and share stories. And um, I, I found it really helpful, honestly. I, I, I really, to hear Jerry West talk about Kobe and the way he did and to hear Shaq kind of bring up these stories and how he felt about Kobe now and, you know, the whole little brother, big brother thing towards the end there got to me. And I just, I, I felt it, it was really helpful for me in terms of how to grieve and just uh, to, I don't know, try to come cope with these feelings I have because I don't really know how I feel like I'm still kind of in a like a stunned kind of stage at this at this point but when I hear guys like Jerry West or just to see them visually kind of break down on camera like that I think that was the hardest part yeah it was it was hard to watch but it's like you said I think it was a little bit therapeutic and I've honestly felt this way and I and I think you before we went on the air you mentioned the same thing to me that like it's almost like continuing to work through this and continuing to write about it. I thought it would be really painful, to be honest, like because I, there's already this pain after the initial autopilot is over, part of it is over. There's this pain of like losing someone who was like to me, like Kobe was the reason I started watching basketball. Like really, if we're if we're really breaking it down, like and really the reason that I definitely reconnected with it when I was in high school and became an obsessive and even have the career that I have today, I was going through like basically the butterfly effect steps and like it, following this Lakers team 
it led me to, to community college to pursue sports journalism. It led me to transfer to CSUF for that reason, where I left my met my fiance. Like Kobe, legitimately, like changed my whole life without knowing it. And I think that there are a lot of Lakers fans who feel that way. And I think that getting to watch like other people that are these hyper masculine figures in NBA history and like like just athletes like this is not these are not the emotions that we normally associate with like the, a masculine locker room or whatever like where guys are breaking down crying and talking about how they cried you know in the movie theater when they found out that you know when they found out about this or Shaq just you know Shaq really got me just continuing to say like he just kept looking at his phone and like hoping that somebody was going to say it was fake like somebody just did it for clicks or somebody made a mistake or like that you know I, I remember I'm forgetting who but I, I think it was Woj in his obit said, like, I even as he was confirming his story, he was waiting for Kobe to text him. I'm still here. You were wrong. And just kind yeah. of. <laughs> um, and it's but back to the, on the TNT thing specifically, I, I just thought that it was like it was an incredible hour of television. And I think it was so helpful just as an example for people to show like you can be sad about this and you can break down and you can cry and you can feel things about this, even if you didn't know this person. And in any fa moment of your life, when you're feeling grief like this, it's okay. Whether you're man, woman, whatever you identify as, like you can cry about this stuff and you can be honest about your feelings. And I just think that like, that's something that we all really need to shout from the rooftops. And I think that it's incredible that in 2020, we're at a point where Shaq and Jerry West can cry on TV and nobody says anything. I, I agree. Like, I thought Reggie Miller really put it well. Like, he, I think he kind of interrupted at one point and said, like, it's okay to cry and it's okay to have these feelings and there's no shame in that. And like I you said, Dwayne Wade said so too. Like, yeah. And like you said, these are guys like who, you know, sports athletes usually have this kind of, you know, stigma that you're not allowed to show emotion or not allowed to, you know, show any type of weakness. I know Kobe was almost like a, like a model of that. Like he never showed weakness, but I think to kind of come full circle now to show that, you know, it's okay to cry and it's okay to have these feelings about uh, this person, even if you didn't know him personally, like we didn't know him personally. Like I no. never, Kobe, I've never even, I've been I interacted with him a handful of times and I can get, almost guarantee you, he did not know my name. And in, in, in the same, and in that sense, like, I still feel like he was a part of my life just because I've watched him so many times on TV. I've spent like two and a half hours every night watching a Laker game and he was on there. So it felt like he was in my home for 20 years and to see that kind of just go away. Like I felt uh, like that retirement, his last game, I felt that feeling like he was going away, but now it's just this permanent kind of hole that you lost that part of you, those 20 years growing up with him. And I try to uh, write about that. And uh, like, I, I think writing about it and even watching this TNT thing kind of opened up those feelings. And I, I, I do admire how those guys specifically like made a point that it's okay to have these thoughts and feelings and to cry and stuff like that. So I, I applaud them for what they did tonight. Yeah, and like if we're feeling that way, I cannot even imagine what the Lakers are going through right now, especially like when we say Lakers, so many people immediately just think of the players. And of course, because those are the guys that we watch night in, night out. And like the coaching staff, maybe that extends to sometimes the front office, like in the farthest reaches of your brain or ownership or, you know, like Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka and all of them. Like, and obviously they are grieving, but it's not just them. Like they're, this is an organization where Kobe worked there for 20 years. Like they're 
are people that have probably been there that long or that at the very least probably tons of them have overlapped with Kobe at like a bunch of points. And like, I'm really glad to, I was really glad to hear that the NBA provided them with grief counseling. I was incredibly glad that the NBA canceled that game because we were supposed to record after a game tonight. And I honestly do not think that anyone was prepared for that. The, you, me, the players, like no one was ready for anything like that. And like, I just think it all speaks to like what a great place the NBA is at this point that like, I think they got it wrong by playing the games on Sunday uh, and like continuing to play games necessarily while guys are grieving. Although at this point on Tuesday, it seems like like most of the guys like are kind of at a point where like they're okay to play basketball. Um, but I think that especially on Sunday, they really should have been given that chance to grieve, even if it would have been a logistical nightmare. But overall, I think the way that the NBA has handled this and especially and specifically with regards to the Lakers and the Bryant family and all the families that lost someone, I think has been like really touching and like great to watch. For sure. And like you mentioned, there's those Laker employees. Like I think John Ireland was on the radio and I saw a clip of it today on online and he mentioned like Judy Sato and, and just other people. Absolutely. Who've, you know, they've been closer to Kobe than maybe any of these guys on the current roster. And, and Rob Polinka has been a big friend of his. And I, I, it's just, I don't know what's going through their minds and how they're going to, I'm, I'm nervous for Friday, like how those guys are going to look on the court and I'm, afraid it's going to open up more feelings and all that type of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I was disappointed that they played games that day as well, but um, I'm really happy. Like, like you said, that they postponed today's game. And I, I was not looking forward to having to record after it with Alex and I don't know what we would have done for sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think Friday's still going to be rough. I think that it will be less so with, you know, like they're, they're going to get to get their feelings out. I think now in a little bit more of like a controlled environment at practice and like where they aren't going to have just played an entire basketball game before being asked their thoughts on Kobe. Um, and they're going to get to get that kind of out of the way sounds dismissive, but they're going to like, they're going to get to do that and process it. And everyone, the media, the players, all of them, like, move forward. I don't know if there is the right term, but, like, it's not going to be this omnipresent thing in the post-game locker room where, like, got everyone's exhausted from, a, I'm sure, what's going to be an emotionally exhausting evening, and then they're getting 20 billion questions about first reactions to Kobe and all of that stuff. So I think it's great. I do before, because obviously Friday's game, like, you know, we were all realizing in Slack that there's de- there's a pretty good chance Powell will be there as, like, a coach with the Portland Trailblazers, which I think is just going to make everyone cry all over again. Yeah. Um, but... Like, uh, I, I want to turn our attention away from that and back to the TNT thing really quick, like, because I did think that there were some really cool stories shared. And so for those of you that didn't get the chance to watch it, if you can find it in full, I would very much recommend that you do that if that is not possible, because I don't know how they'll handle that as far as Internet goes. I, I just want to talk about a couple of these stories because I thought they were really cool and like revealed some new information about Kobe's like history that we never knew in these relationships that he built with these guys like um the I, the one that really that I had never heard before was Jerry West talking about I, I, this is after he left at the Lakers. Um, I double checked the years on that. Uh, he Kobe was a free agent and Jerry West because they had developed almost Jerry West called him. He, he said he was like a son. 
and he would have him over at his house when he was 17 and like all this stuff and like bring him to the gym to go practice and all these things. It's like the general manager, which is like, it, it, I can't even imagine Rob Palinka like now, like just have, like having had like Lonzo or Brandon Ingram chilling on his couch and then taking them to the gym to go shoot. But um, Jerry West was doing that for Kobe because the Lakers had like three front office staff members at the time. And that was just how small the NBA was comparatively to now. And um he developed this relationship with him and with this kid that he drafted. And he was talking about how when Kobe was making a free agency decision uh, between the Lakers and Clippers and told him that he was going to the Clippers, Jerry West, a Clippers consultant currently said that he was fighting Kobe to not go to the Clippers, even though like Jerry West had no, like he had no stake in the fight. I believe he was working for the Grizzlies at the time. I'd have to double check that, but he was telling Kobe, don't go to the Clippers. You can't go to that owner, like all this stuff. And he really did care about him. Like he was the son. And I, I just like, he, he broke down crying. He called yesterday, the toughest day he's had. Like the only thing that compares is losing his own brother in Korea. Like that, like that really got me. I, I honestly, like I cry a little bit at that. Like it, it's just, it was tough to watch him like breaking down like that, but I'm, I'm glad that he did it. I think it allowed all of us to heal a little bit more. Yeah. Like I, I knew Kobe and Jerry had this relationship. Like they've talked about it publicly before, but I never knew it was this like tight knit and it was this yeah. close. And um, yeah, for him as a guy who's working for Memphis and just, he has no stake in the matter to, you know, to look at Kobe like his son and, and realize that if he makes a decision, he's going to regret it. And he just wants what's best for Kobe at this stage of his life. And it was tough. Like the moment he came on and I can see his eyes already started to water. Like I just kind of lost it at that point. And, um, and he's a guy who's been so open about his struggles with mental health throughout his entire life. Like, um, and like was really one of the pioneers of that. And uh, among many other things that he was a pioneer at. Yeah, and he's so stoic, and he's he always knows the right words, to, like what words to use and everything like that. And to see him kind of struggle at points and talking about Kobe. And honestly, I, I, I just loved how honest the entire conversation was. And I, I, I appreciated seeing this kind of relationship and these stories and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, like it, honestly, I'm just happy we got that chance to hear Jerry talk because I don't think he's – I think it was his first public uh, – appearance as, Kobe, as, right? as, as far as I know yeah like I, I mean I, I thought that it was uh, it, it, it it I think it helped a little bit to watch him joking around with Shaq and Shaq giving him a hard time for like Jerry West was talking about how Kobe's first draft workout like he brought in Michael Cooper and we've all heard this story before yeah. if you're a diehard Laker fan you've heard of, Co of Jerry West bring in freshly retired Michael Cooper <laughs> to guard the 17 year old kid just to like you know give him a test for a draft workout and but it's different to hear Jerry West tell it and I'm not sure that I've ever heard him tell it and he was talking about how after 10 minutes he called the whole thing and just said Michael it's a good thing you retired when you did and which is like hilarious yeah. trash talk of Michael Cooper like his former player uh and then like for Shaq to, was just talking about how he was trying to sign his contract as quick as possible but he couldn't get Jerry to bring it to him because he kept telling him about how great the 17 year old kid was and Shaq was just like he uh just saying like he's like okay that's great but like where's the contract like I'm <laughs> trying to sign here and Jerry West was telling him about how the 17 year old was going to be the best player in the NBA one day and you know like that there were moments of levity like that too that I thought were great for sure and I thought I thought Jerry was great at that and Shaq was obviously great at that I just like you mentioned that point, I, I think it shows just how much confidence and trust Jerry had in Kobe at such an early age that is insane. Like he, like he mentioned, we don't obviously with the new rules, you're not allowed to draft guys out of high school anymore. But to see all this kind of potential in a 17 year old and uh, to Jerry to kind of 
mentor him and, and to treat him like a son and to hear Ryan West being like his best friend immediately when he came to Los Angeles and all that stuff, it, it shows how close this kind of organization is. And I know we, you know, as Laker fans and people looking on the outside, we critique the Lakers for being so in-house and, and being a family-run business, but they do build these relationships with these players like this. And I thought this whole thing with Kobe and this whole thing with Jerry West coming out and saying these things, it kind of shows that it's more than just a team. It is a family. I know we can make poke fun at that at times, but these are guys they spend holidays with and have for dinner. They're not just a player owner kind of relationship. These are family members. And I think that's, it's kind of had me respect the Lakers organization a bit more in this whole ordeal. I think that the way that they've handled it has been incredible. There was that report of Jeannie and Rob immediately rushing down to go comfort Vanessa, them not saying anything really out of respect and wanting her to take the lead on that. Uh, the way that they opened the doors to their practice facility, like, or not the facility, but the security gates to the complex, which like I I've never seen them do before. And like just welcoming the whole city of Los Angeles to grieve with them. Like that, that also goes to that family mindset that you mentioned. And like, you know, I, I can't imagine what they're going through, but I really do think that we have to applaud them for handling this as well as anyone possibly could, like a tragedy of this magnitude, and fighting for their players to not have to play right away on Tuesday. I, I think it's like I think all of it is like really incredible. For sure. I mean, I I don't know how they could have handled this any better. Like you said, like it's a, an impossible situation to deal with, and I think you know letting air and everyone just breathe, not putting these players in front of the press and the media so quickly, and letting them have this chance to kind of decompress and get their thoughts together, I thought was the best course of action. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about the current team, but uh, I, I mean, there's no easy way to do this in a show like this, but we got to take a break really quick for some ads, and then we will be right back. All right, so LeBron made his first public comments uh, about this since... Um, since Kobe, you know, passed away and his daughter passed away and everyone else in that helicopter um, on uh, on Monday night. And like we have not talked about it on the show yet because we did not have a show on Tuesday morning. And, you know, I, I just I think that it was interesting to see what he had to say and like after taking some time and like this does really seem to have genuinely affected him based on what he posted and what he's continued to post and um just saying like don't worry about all this like i got us i'm gonna get this franchise back to the standard that you set like i thought it was really moving and like you know like honestly but like it, it made me tear up. Like reading it that night, like it was, it was really emotionally impactful. And I think it's like a little bit illustrative of this team is going through a tough time. But I do think that, like, I don't want to be the guy that takes like literal deaths and is like, oh, like sports movie, it's going to inspire them to win the championship. But I do think that there is something to the idea that like this team is galvanizing around this as much as they possibly can, and really trying to go out there and like do what Kobe would probably want them to do, which is continue to play basketball. That was his whole thing. Like talking about sports are the greatest metaphor for life that we have. And like, you know, I feel like he is like posthumously serving as an example of that once again, like from teaching us how to grieve through all of this stuff and like to like these guys kind of taking his teachings and going right back and uh, going right back in and like trying to get ready to play and, you know, all of that. For sure. And, uh, 
yeah, like I like you said, I, I don't we're not gonna use this as like a it's not just motivation. It's kinda it makes the season more than just a season. I think it's gonna be a a time where these guys are gonna come together and those can like this team's already is clo- like really close. Like it's one of the more tight knit Laker groups we've seen in it's the most I don't know how long locker room I've ever covered, which isn't saying a ton because I've mostly covered lottery teams with this team, but like <laughs> they are very clearly the closest one of the bunch. And a lot of them were Laker fans or have had relationships with Kobe. Like we see the Quinn Cook stuff and just uh, not just him, but with the whole LeBron thing and everything, I think this is going to bring them even closer together. And I think it's, uh, they're going to have something to play for. That's more than just the championship. And I, I, Honestly, like, I know I don't want to think about basketball or write about basketball right now, but I'm really excited to watch the rest of the year to see how great this team plays because I think there's going to be a passion and emotion that they play for and who they play for this year. And I think that's because of Kobe. And I think LeBron, I think the league's got to be afraid of what LeBron's going to bring for the rest of the year. I think yeah. he's just going to destroy the rest of the league. I think that we have to be understanding if they come out a little bit rough from over the first couple games after this. But like, I do think that like they do seem to be like coming together around it again. Like, and I I think that this can potentially like service, like, you know, I saw a bunch of Lakers fans talking about how, you know, like it it almost like this could be, this is going to be the thing. Like if, if they go to the, if they go to the playoffs and they start making a run, they're going to start getting talked about as one of these teams of destiny. You know what I mean? And like, I think they seem to understand their, I think they can be a part of helping the city heal as well. And that's not necessarily a fair thing to ask of them, but I think that they, like, I think this is something where we can all go back to like watching basketball and being a part of this basketball community and this community that like Kobe helped build for all of us to support each other. And like, we can all go back to that now and try and use it as a way to process grief further and continue to move on. Like, and I think honestly, that's one of the greatest things about basketball and about sports in general is it can be your escape. It's just, it's hard when the escape becomes a thing that you're like almost trying to escape from. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a shared experience. I think more than ever, just watching these Laker games, I like. I think if you cover the team long enough or just, I don't know, write or do anything regarding the team, podcasting, whatever, you kind of do build this kind of separation from being a fan and, and doing your job. But I, I think more than ever, I'm going to watch this team and root for them hard and just kind of want to share this experience with them. And I think they're going to... It's something I'm really looking forward to. And I think, like you said, I think it's a way that it could help people heal and, and a way to distract people from from this. But also at the same time, kind of really root for this team to kind of do something. Like you said, it could be a team of destiny or just just something that they can work towards and, and use motivation, hopefully. It, it's been strange to see the Lakers almost become like America's team over the last like 48 hours and you know, like Kobe has to be looking down and cursing at all these people <laughs> that are finally like not finally not only saying nice things about him, like and that he's not like this like inefficient whatever like player yeah. anymore, and like like he, he's finally getting like I think the proper it, it's really sad that it came to this for him to finally get I think the proper respect and seemingly proper placement. Like nobody's taking this and saying Kobe was the greatest player of all time. Like people uh-huh. I think are finally taking it though and properly rating him around where he should be an NBA hit and appreciating what he was great at and like the ways that he was truly transcendent. And like, it, it does, I, I think it's a reminder to all of us, not only to like 
you know, tell everyone that you love that you love them more frequently than you do, because we never know, you know, when it's going to end for us. But also, like, we shouldn't argue so much about such trivial things. Like, we should appreciate greatness and other things, like, while it's here. We shouldn't be waiting for someone to die to, like, talk about how amazing they were. And, like, obviously, that is like a big news point where people start talking about Kobe again. So that changes the conversation and whatever. But like, I also think that, you know, just while people are here, like we need to stop being so harsh on everyone and constantly trying to just like win arguments by tearing like uh, other guys down and just like appreciate basketball. And I say that knowing full well that I'm going to go back to making jokes about the Celtics young core in like two weeks or something <laughs> like that, you know, whenever they have their next bad game. But like, I think that we need to, like it is a reminder of like how great it's been a reminder of how great he was and a chance to reminisce on that. And like, I, I wanted to give you the floor here a little bit because I've already talked about some of so many of my favorite memories of Kobe and all of this stuff over the last couple of days, but I don't know that you've been given a specific uh, like floor to take and go ahead and talk about yours and say, and yours might be different than mine. So I, I just want to go ahead and see this to you. Honestly, like, um, it's been hard because I have the last day or two kind of try to think about those past. Like I said, I've watched almost every Kobe. I, I, I can't forget a game I haven't watched of Kobe's. If I've missed a game, I go make sure to go back and I watch that game. And I've done that for as long as I've been a Laker fan. That's basically my whole life. And uh, I, it's hard to pick one Kobe thing. But I as I rewatched last night's replay of la- that game, his final game, I just there's no better Kobe memory in, in my mind that that last game. And it was basically a definition of his career and how he always played, how he willed this team on his back so many nights. And to see him do that on that final stage and in front of his family and in front of those fans and everything, it was, in my eyes, the perfect Kobe memory. Like the the 50-something shots he took to the, like, willing them back in the fourth quarter to kind of getting on D'Angelo for not hitting a corner three when he was open. Just everything. It was the perfect Kobe game in my eyes and I think I'll always remember that final game because it was everything led up to that moment and to those possessions and he just he delivered like he always does and just seeing the joy on so many from the famous people sitting courtside like I remember Kanye like Kanye who is like one of the most stoic people publicly (laughs) I think that there is like jumping up and down and smiling like a kid Snoop Dogg like all these people that were in the building just celebrating like little kids and even his teammates who some of whom were little kids but like (laughs) you could you there was this joy in like this was a guy that they all grew up watching and idolizing and they're like hey I'm out here with him and oh my god like he's turned back into actual Kobe Bryant for like 20 minutes here and like Julius Randle just recognizing immediately like okay I'm gonna set I don't care how illegal these screens are I know these refs are not gonna call it like he did everything but pick up Gordon Hayward like literally and carry him off the floor um and it was just like it was and you know, it just, it was Kobe as the spotlight grabber too, because the Warriors were going for 73 wins in NBA history that night. And I cannot recall seeing anyone but beat writers tweeting about that game that night. Other, like everybody else was watching Kobe and kind of the magical show that he was putting on on that final night. And, you know, uh, that was like a lot of fun to think back on about and like rewatch highlights from and all that stuff. I think for one night, we all kind of turned back into these little kids who kind of grew up watching this game and falling in love with basketball and kind of idolizing Kobe. And I think it was cool, like you said, to see those guys on the bench just jumping up and down. And I I know we joke that they are young, young adults, but 
Yeah, I mean, we all shared that moment. I think Byron Scott un- uncrossed his <laughs> for the first just time one. that entire year, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it was just, for one night, it was great to kind of be able to share that with everyone online. I, I remember everybody in Lakers Twitter and just Twitter in general tweeting out every single thing. And then even last night, just people tweeting uh, the game out again. It was just incredible. Like, I, I can't think of a better Kobe memory than that one. Yeah, it really, it really was one of the best ones. Um, all right, I think, I think that about does it for this show of uh, the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. So, Alex, I want to thank you for jumping on here with me and uh, letting us laugh a little bit and remember Kobe and like have some positive, like have a positive conversation in a day and like over a couple days that I think have been tough for everyone. And uh, I, I just really, I, I really appreciate you jumping on here with me. No, thank you. Thank you for uh, filling in. And I just want to let people know they should go read your Kobe piece because that was a really, really good one. I hope people go take the time and read that one. Yeah, honestly, everybody, if you're listening to this just and you go to Silver Screen and Roll, um, it's just it's the fifth spot in like our layout right now there. It just says Kobe Bryant, uh, 19, 1978 to 2020. It's all of our coverage of all of this. And I'm like really just incredibly proud of the way that this entire team has come together amid adverse circumstances, I think professionally and like personally now. Uh, and I just could not be prouder of this group that we've been able to put together like over the last year and a half or so now, uh, almost two years. And, um, yeah, I just, they can, everyone continues to blow me away. And, uh, you know, like there's no group of people that I'd rather be covering this with. Absolutely, man. And, uh, I, I'm very proud of everyone there for sure. And I hope everybody goes and, uh, appreciates what you guys are doing for a really difficult time. And you guys have just knocked it out of the park. I'm, I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you. And, and even if you don't, thank you for listening this far. This has been the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I am Harrison Fagan. You can find me on Twitter at, at HMFAIGEN. And this and that joining me today was Alex Regla. And you can find him on Twitter at Alex M R E G L A. Yes? Got yes. that? Okay. See, I've had to type that out way too many times to plug your articles that I haven't <laughs> memorized. Um, but th- this has been the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. And we will talk to all of you tomorrow. Or not us, but somebody will. Bye.